hey, Christian, what's the most important thing about film production? The setup, pre-production, the most yeah. important part. But you know what? A lot of people think that, but you're kind of missing a step. Oh, right. The kickoff calls, because that's how you set up your prep. Right. That's where you got to get all the right questions answered at the right time and set deadlines for those answers so you can put your prep on the right path to success. Exactly. Right. And this can be accomplished with four kickoff calls. You need at least four, in my opinion. And I think for us producers, the most important one is the one with your producing partner, either the ad agency producer or your main client contact, because that's where, like you said, set the tone, set expectations, give them deadlines for when you need these answers, because Timelines are already way too short for prep. I know. We could always use more prep time, right? And budgets are shrinking, so don't waste any time. So what we've done is we put together our top seven questions that you should ask your agency producer or client now on that very first kickoff call. Not only does it help answer questions that you may have, it also allows you to set the tone and, you know, establish yourself as the leader of the project, (laughs) which is also a very important step as well. So we'll put a link in the show notes where you can get on our website and take a listen to our free audio bonus. Another delightful conversation between me and Sister Christian about (laughs) best ways of setting yourself up for success. Yeah, it's a page turner. (laughs) (laughs) Check it out. You all know the old saying, fix it in post. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you, the bane of every post-production team's existence is that phrase. And I mean, come on. Let's be real. When things go wrong in post because of something we didn't do on set, it can be a nightmare. You may be off working on another project, maybe in Mexico City or Argentina somewhere, and there are conversations going on around you about how things were left for post to figure out. It affects their deadlines, the budget. And worst of all, it affects the end result of the project. But don't worry, we're here to help, y'all. Today, we're talking to Ann Pindola. She's the head of production from Roger.tv, big post house. They do animation, all kinds of stuff over there. She's going to give us a more comprehensive understanding of the post process and stick around to the end because she gives us some actionable steps to be better advocates for our post-production teams. That's right. So put down your coffee, turn off your phone, <laughs> and grab a cocktail. I've got one. If you partake, I've got one. And stick around for this episode. Yeah, it's a good one. Welcome to the Producers Happy Hour with your hosts, Sister Christian and Lawrence Lewis. We are two producers with over 20 years of experience each, chatting over drinks about what it means and what it takes to be a good producer. Join us for insightful interviews and informative show topics that will help you get through your toughest jobs, biggest production challenges, and most difficult clients. So grab a drink. You're going to need it. And let's get to it. Because making shit is hard. I've got my drink, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, at the time of recording this, it is the afternoon, so I'm having a drink as well. I'm very excited about it. Good. How are you, sister? I'm great. How are you doing, Lawrence? I'm all right. You know, I don't know when this is going to air, but as we've been talking about in some of these episodes, it's slow. I've been on hold for many, many jobs, and they've all kind of reconfigured or pushed or gone away. But yeah, I'm on hold for three, so we'll see which one actually books. Yeah, fingers crossed on that. And earlier when I said great, it's a little exaggeration. I'm fine. Really? Okay. There we go. (laughs) Now here comes the real talk. Exactly. I've been, you know, thinking and contemplating all of my life choices because I've had time to, but... (laughs) 
I think, <laughs> but as you know, like so, you know, honestly, we are rounding that corner. I feel I've heard a lot more people are getting busy. So yeah, just you know, summer's coming. It is, and uh, by the time this is airing, we will or will not be in the middle of a writer strike. Oh, I know it just made Don't national know. news. So who knows? Yeah. But we got to keep an eye on that because it will affect you know like our film and our TV friends, and then it trickles right into you know copywriting for commercials. Yeah, and they all come over into the commercial world when, yeah. uh, when all those TV people don't have jobs. They're like, hey, commercials, remember us? Yeah, remember. <laughs> I, 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 us. I wrote on the Game of Thrones and blah, 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 blah. Can I please do your, you know, pharma commercial? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, today's topic is one that I'm really excited about because it's something that I know a lot of us brush off, being a better producer for your post-production team. Yes, and we're excited to have Anne Pendola from Roger with us on the show today to talk about how we can be better champions for the project by working more effectively with our post-production teams. Welcome, Anne. Are you uh, enjoying a happy hour drink with us today? I sure am. I am very happy to be here. (laughs) Yay. What are you drinking? (laughs) I am still working on my coffee because that's how my mornings go. Uh, Very busy. Um, Hopefully it's And I still need to stay awake. (laughs) Yeah, Use your imagination. Yeah. Your employers (laughs) might be listening. We're not going to talk about it. They don't know what time we've done this. (laughs) Yeah, they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording at 7 p.m. tonight. Yes. (laughs) I'm having a mezcal margarita. Everyone knows how to make this, I would hope. An ounce and a half, I I put two, of mezcal, uh, an ounce of Grand Marnier, some lime juice, simple syrup if you want it. I avoid it. And uh, a little slice of lime. How about you, sister? Well, since I have a work meeting directly after this recording, I am only having a wee drink. <laughs> no alcohol for me. It is can it's lemon lavender we drink. A perfect prep for a work meeting. I know. Yeah. It's like it's not going to be too important and no. I think I got it. So, we'll see. <laughs> We cover a lot of topics on these episodes, and there's not enough time to dive in as deep as we'd like to, so that's why we've created our episode guide. That's right. Our episode guide contains all the links we mentioned in the episode, plus other resources and references, and it dives deeper into the show topic, as well as important industry news, which, you know, we all need to stay on top of, especially with everything that's happening in the in the business these days. Yeah. So if you're loving the show and loving us, of course, and everything that we chat about, then head over to ProducersHappyHour.com and click the link to our show notes and sign up for our episode guide. And do us a favor. After you get the first one, Write us back and let us know what you think. We want to make sure the stuff we're putting time and energy into is valuable to you and you're liking it and digging it. And we love to hear your feedback. Oh, we live for feedback, especially (laughs) (laughs) criticism. We love it. So please, bring it on. Bring (laughs) Bring it on. on. (laughs) All right. On to our interview. Ann Pindola is an award-winning producer and longtime activist. She started her career in music video production and working for film nonprofit organizations such as North America Asian Telecommunications Association, Find Films, and the <laughs> Filipino Women's Network. From there, she has gone on to work on projects with SNL, Dave Grohl, OK Go, CNN, Nickelodeon, Disney, so 
many more. Oh, that's a lot. And currently serves also as a board member for Motion for All, a nonprofit aiming to provide software resources to underserved communities, and is head of production at an Emmy Award winning uh, creative studio called Roger. Anne, welcome to the show. Yes. Anne, thank you for taking thank the time. Thank you. <laughs> Happy to be here. I'm so thank flattered. You. Yeah. And I can't wait to dive into this topic because, you know, this fix it and post bullshit. I'm sorry. I know. It's so we, great. Oh, yeah. I am we, holding it back right now. Okay. <laughs> Let it loose. Open the floodgates. Tell us how this oh. it sticks in your soul. Let's talk about what does, it, what does it mean to you when you hear it? Let's just say that. I think it requires a little bit more consideration with posts. You know, it sounds so magical and sounds like such an easy solution to things that can happen on set. For example, like a big one would be removing a logo off of talents like clothing. Oh, ooh. Ooh, that's right? a good one because I wouldn't yeah. even thought of that. Right? Please, please continue. Yeah, like... Like, I mean, that that seems like it could be taken care of. It's only this big. <laughs> yeah, it's only a small little, like, you know, Chanel logo or something like that. Um, but that could become a month's worth of work for somebody later on and um, thousands of emails. <laughs> um, so I don't think a lot of people understand the repercussions of fixing it in post um, when maybe the easier solution can be done on set. Maybe it could be a new shirt. Maybe it could be a piece of tape. I don't know. Yeah, that's just one of the examples that sometimes not as easy to do. And also not cost effective. Right. That yeah. is something that I see that does come up a lot. I can I can tell mm-hmm. you I've I'm guilty of this of <laughs> clearances, clearances, clearances. Mm-hmm. It is it's a, a big thing that comes up from a lot of ad agencies because they've been sued. You know, there are certain agencies that are mm-hmm. very focused on clearances, oh, yeah. like all the way down to the pattern yeah. of the shirt, mm-hmm. not a design, mm-hmm. just like the pattern of the fabric. I've been questioned, is this copywritten? Is it, I mean, you can't copyright a pattern, but, you know, yeah. is this proprietary? So everything from artwork way in the background to, lo- like you said, logos on a shirt, the easy solution, the easiest way for me to get out of that situation is say, is we, we can fix it in post. But you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a lot of, is it rotoscoping, tracking? What What is the process to, to, to solve something like that? Oh, it's... It all really depends on how big and where it is and if the person's dancing and I I don't know. Sometimes it comes down to even like their hair color or what was even behind them. Mm -hmm. Um, There is just a lot of assessment that has to be done um, before making calls like that. I mean, we do magic. Let's I I won't I won't undersell like post. We can do magic. But a lot of the time what requires. To do magic is time and resources, and a lot of the time it's more than what the client is expecting. So sometimes that, you know, it's just something that really has, requires a little more thought than saying it can be solved in post. Yes. Yeah, fixed in post. Yeah. What is the one thing that you see live action producers do over and over again that hinders like post-production? Like if you had one thing that you would call out and say, please never do this fucking shit again, what would that be? <laughs> <laughs> I would never say that. Oh, I'm sorry. To, uh, I would never, <laughs> ever say that to anybody. I, okay, fine. I'm a 
I'm, I'm very much of the, we're all on the same team. We right. all want to make something we're proud of sure. and that we're going to show grandma. Right? We're all yes. holding hands. Yes. We're, you know, like yeah. friends. Everything's copacetic. However, we do know yeah. as live action producers that some of our, <laughs> some of our colleagues yeah. will absolutely yeah. do like just, this is just a teaching moment. Let's call it. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that, you know, I understand that there's a lot of high stakes decision making and a lot of time pressure on live action producers. But I think that one time, one thing that could really help is just keep the post producers in the conversations, like even at the pre pro meeting, you know, understanding that what you're shooting Mm -hmm. will go on to you know, some hard drive eventually, (laughs) and then come into my hands. (laughs) And that it's not, you know, and that we will spend two months with that afterwards. (laughs) It's just really just keeping like, you know, post is not an afterthought, it should be something that's considered from the beginning, like specs, knowing what format needs to be provided to post, you know, that is like, pretty important. Just having a conversation with someone on the post side before will be very, shooting. Before <laughs> yeah. shooting. Yes. Right. Before shooting. You know, and I can say that when I was a production manager, I definitely had producers who were like on the phone with the edit house or like during mm-hmm. the shoot day would call and say, This is what's happening. And then the like, you know, post producer would be like, Oh shit, and would call the agency or whatever. <laughs> so that was great. Yeah. But I also had producers yeah. who were like, Whatever, our job is done tonight mm-hmm. when we're done and we turn over the film to the dailies um we turn everything over so <laughs> yeah you know what? let them work it out and i'm just like okay so you know uh, like there is that school of thought where yeah you know it goes either way so yeah that's interesting absolutely i've definitely been on the receiving end of just yeah, just wait until 1 a.m. so someone can drop off the drive because we're taking our time or we're doing, you know, it just happens, I get. But, you know, it's just like maybe a conversation could have happened so that we're not just waiting around for elements or for the footage that needs to get started, needs to get ingested, you know, after taillights, basically. Because yeah. you, you all, post-production folks, are affected just as much as as, as live action producers on these shrinking schedules, mm-hmm. I would assume, right? <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. We're shooting stuff and it oh, needs to yeah. be on the air in like 10 days. And it's like, oh, my God, yeah. what is going on? Yeah. Is that Are you seeing that more and more? We are. Um, schedules have been compressed, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. I, which has been interesting as the, on the producer side, because it has depended a lot on us to find solutions for our team, you know, um, finding ways to economize, finding efficiencies in our pipeline that can really benefit the, and meet the expectations of these schedules that are very demanding. Unfortunately, though, we are also still at the mercy of how fast computers can process things, you know, and how much time is needed on clients' ends to communicate and get feedback and things of that nature. So, yes, we are very much affected by by schedules. Yeah, there's there's something I'll throw to you, Christian, but there's a there's a big difference between producers in feature and narrative that see projects all the way through post and commercial producers or branded content producers that hand it over because usually ad agencies or clients take over posts directly and they're not involved. So there is a I don't want to say lack of knowledge, but I think there is a little bit of a hands off approach 
when it comes to the, the commercial and branded side, which puts us in the position that we're talking about. So is there a common misunderstanding that you think most people have about the post process? I think the common understanding that I feel is a little hard for me <laughs> is that it's all done for the live action. Like live action is done with tail, like, you know, once you turn in your rap books and tail lights, that it's all done. Um, and, and to a certain extent it is, you know, but what we deal with afterwards, you know, the quality of the footage, the quality of how our pipeline is actually is a huge reflection of how well the shoot went. You know, if we're having a really rough time in editorial finding footage, footage that wasn't shot properly or, you know, looks a little different or wasn't the right angle or wasn't recorded right, you know, that is a reflection of how well the shoot went. And sometimes those can be major hurdles for an editor. That's interesting because I can just imagine being in the edit suite and going through the footage and saying, wait, where is this scene or what happened here? Mm -hmm. And when you're not informed, it's kind of like, I don't know, let me call the producer, you know, like that kind yeah. of stuff happening. Yeah. But I could also see where um, if even though a good producer on set will convey concerns about mm -hmm. post to the agency producer, that... Mm -hmm may absolutely get, you know, dropped or blind <laughs> once they're yeah. in the edit, then they start to, you know, get pressure from the client. <laughs> and yeah. then the spinning starts, right? It's like, you never want to play the blame game either, because it's like, you guys are like our partners, and it'll be something mm. like, where's this shot? Didn't we have a better take of this actor doing yeah. this line? <laughs> and we'll say, we don't see it. <laughs> we, we there's nothing here um, that, <laughs> by that description. And then, you know, it becomes this, well, whose fault is that? And then it uh -huh. could become any number of reasons of why it didn't make it into the, you know, it could be, it's not real. <laughs> you know, that is right. something Sometimes it's limited on time and resources on your end. And it's just, you know, what can you do? But that's a rough one. That sounds yeah. like a, a good cautionary tale for our listeners that um, when you're in Video Village, making sure everybody is clear that you're moving mm -hmm. on and that these are the shots that you have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I hate to see, and you can you can speak about this a little bit more, like when things get dropped from shoots for money purposes, the first couple of things that go, in my opinion, are script supervisor, which is vital mm. to edit. Yeah. But also, too, like we need a data wrangler instead of a DIT. So the footage doesn't get colored, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. So they're not really... You're just getting ProRes's. They're not transcoded to spec, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. So those are the things in live action in that get cut almost first. So mm -hmm. how does that, you know, affect you guys? I love script supervisors. <laughs> they are our best friend. Like we know when we're working with a professional and when we're not. It's very important. I, it's like, it always seems like something that isn't that helpful on set or it's just the nice person sitting close to the monitor, you know, <laughs> right. very quiet, who's yeah. just always just taking notes with their stopwatch. But they're vital to our editorial process. My God, it's just, they're the ones who are helping with director's takes, like giving notes, because I know how your guys' hours go. Like sometimes no one sleeps properly and makes their mm -hmm. early call totally. time and can't remember everything that happens or gets put into the camera. Or if a director says, 
says, I like that one. You know, no one's going to remember that. So I'm just, you know, this is like the waitress taking orders. Waiter, waitress, I'm sorry. Um, gotta write it down. <laughs> like, this is one of those situations, you know? <laughs> write it down. Like, yes. write it down. <laughs> because there are, it could really spare a lot of back and forth, a lot of conversations um, and organization hurdles that we face in the post-production phase um you know the next day even as soon as we get the footage we know what we're looking at we know what we don't need to waste our time on um mm-hmm. because the other thing that i think no one realizes sometimes that stuff has to be synced audio wise so the audio is coming in one part and then the footage comes in the other and mm. what helps us most <laughs> is a scripty <laughs> <laughs> very important people on set. It it sounds like trying to save, you know, like the day rate of a script supervisor actually puts a few days worth of work onto post. Yeah. So you're not, you're paying for it somewhere. So more cost effective to have one, it sounds like. I, I would agree. It is a it is a good thing to point out because I think we all assume in this digital modern age that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we transcode the footage and there you go. It's ready to go. But no, we mm-hmm. actually are still a two system, mm-hmm. you know, it's t- mm-hmm. two recording systems. Their sound is separate. So, yeah, yeah, you're transcoding this footage with camera audio, but that's not the audio you're going to mm-hmm. use. You still need to sync it to the to the audio that comes mm-hmm. from the sound uh, person. So that is uh, there's there's yeah. there's some extra time involved in that. I always wanted to know, you talk about things can only go fast as machines can process, Mm -hmm. right? There is actually a speed limit there. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about, this comes up a lot of times on my jobs, anamorphics or shooting in raw. Mm -hmm. And how does that actually affect the post process? Does it actually add time, money? Yeah, I mean, it does. It affects the pipeline, uh, certainly. But you know, we're also here, you know, I'm not here to make my job easier. I'm here to, like, support ambitious visions and art. And so I would never, <laughs> you know, suggest to limit by, you know, not using anamorphic lenses. Of course, um, yeah. Yeah, with that, it does require a little bit of, mm-hmm. like, prep on our end to know that, you know, oh, they're shooting anamorphic. It's a little setting on our end that we have to consider when we are ingesting. It also matters what the end product is. Is it going to have a lot of visual effects applied to it? Is it going to need to be cleaned up? Like, we just need to know what it is. Um, anamorphic looks great too. So, you know, we can always work with it. It's just, it does require a little bit of planning and consideration. So it's something like, the director chooses to shoot anamorphic. Hopefully that post-producer knows too, okay. you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Good they can know. get their schedules ready, you know, you know, provide enough time and resources that they need to um, to make something we could show grandma. I mean, that's ultimately my goal all the right. time. Impress grandma. <laughs> is it transcoding? Is it processing? Is it online? Is it data storage management? It doesn't slow down the editing process because you're editing in proxies, right? So, it's just a matter of, of what? It's just, it's usually on the online side. Um, on the online typically. side, okay. I, yeah. I mean, I'm speaking in general terms for post. Sure. Uh, I think that once we bring it back into online, once we're starting to uh, color, which this is another consideration that we have to do, but we just have to set it properly so that it looks the way the director wanted to, and then we prepare for that. We can't necessarily be surprised 
because then that surprise will then be passed on to the client two months later when, you know, they're just like, wait, why does it look like this? Um, <laughs> so that <laughs> I, I can imagine that conversation for yeah. sure. And then, you know, uh, yeah, then we have to kind of shell out those technicalities. Hey, Christian, why are locations always such a hassle in our jobs? I have a quick story for you, Lawrence, to to explain why. Bring it on. I get all kinds of jobs, and sometimes there's celebrity interviews where the celeb may live in another market that isn't New York or L.A., Mm. so I have to find a location near their home because it's just an interview. Nobody's paying for a scout for that stuff. So I use a lot of those marketplaces, but that can be a huge time suck. Oh, God. I do a lot of experiential, and I'm typically on way before I have a budget to bring on a scout. And I got to do a lot of pre-research on locations. Yeah, I've used those marketplaces too, but there's like a million steps between seeing a listing on one of those marketplaces, loving it, actually seeing it in person and then securing it. It, it. It's just such a time suck. Yes. And I can speak from experience because that's where our friends from Avey come in. Yes. Avey is the first nationwide location scouting company. Not only do they have a marketplace where you can just, you know, look at options for yourself, they have a concierge service where they access a private network of locations all over the country. It saves you so much time and money, and it helps you find the right location for wherever you need to shoot. Exactly. So I just went on their site. I filled out a simple, quick form. I was paired with an amazing location producer, and then I received a curated report with multiple location options for my project. From there, they handled everything, including scheduling the walkthroughs even on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. to negotiating the location agreement. And I didn't need a permit, but they actually offer that service too. And the most amazing thing about them is that there are no upfront costs. They only get paid if you book the location that they found, which is like so crazy. Save time, money, and your sanity by adding Avey to your producer's toolbox. Just visit Avey at Avey.com. That's A-V-V-A-Y.com. And then to expand a little bit on one of the things that, Lawrence, one part of your question, raw. So say I'm filming with four cameras Mm -hmm. and we're Alexa LF raw because everybody fucking wants to Mm -hmm. film in that. And then we give it to you because your turnaround is really tight. We didn't have time. Like nobody can transcode that much Mm -hmm. stuff on set. And we give it to you. Then what? Oh, you know what, though? It really depends on the editor. I, you know, while I've had very particular editors who were like, Oh, yeah, I want all the settings, you know, from the DP. I want to know all, like, the color that was applied on set and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then processed into something. But I've also worked with editors who like working with the raw. I think that something about, like, having a a, a lot of time, it's usually director editors, you know, because they're, like, closer to the material. They just, they don't want to waste the day. (laughs) They're they're familiar with what they worked with and Mm. then just kind of plug in and then work on it. However, <laughs> the transcoding cannot be avoided, you know, because not everyone watches in 4K raw. Right. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the end product will never be in raw. It just really means adjusting when the transcode will happen. You know, it's easiest for some pipelines to mm-hmm. get that transcoded on set and have it in hand the next morning. But others, you know, others want to work on raw sometimes. But it really just depends on the editor. 
how they want to work basically because sometimes raw offers a lot of um, information too that um, might not get in a flattened out or if you're constantly trying to move the frame in order to um, protect Mm -hmm. for social medias then yeah i could see that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah like uh, one of the common things that we always do is you know we'll have like hd proxies made i'll have a director who's like well I want to punch in on that, you know, and then we actually do have to dig for the, the, the high res raw yeah. or something to see how much we can, how much of the shot we can you punch have, into, yeah. you know, that's also one of those fix it in post type situations too. Um, a I lot know. of the time where it's like, Oh, well, we'll just punch in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm okay with. I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we got a two shot. We can just punch in and that's a single. Sure. <laughs> I've definitely heard myself go like 23 to 27%. You're going to be able to get <laughs> just to, <laughs> just yeah, you won't see just that thing in the background. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think of- just move it in post. That leads yeah. me to clean up because I have mm. a, a lot of times on set. Oh, we can just clean that up in post. Maybe there, maybe it's a product mm-hmm. and there's fishing line or there's a blemish <laughs> oh, on yeah. the packaging or fingerprint, fingerprint <laughs> or something yeah. is just askew and clean up. How many jobs actually yeah. have hours budgeted towards cleanup? Is it is it that common that? Going into a job, yeah, we got 10 hours of cleanup and and just just in case. Mm. Yeah, how do I answer this without (laughs) calling any talent out? Um, Oh. We won't tell anyone. Just go for it. (laughs) You know, there it's just there is like a considerable amount usually dedicated to compositing a commercial, like adding graphics, basic things like the logo of the company. (laughs) You know, like we can do that and or Usually visual effects, like, yeah, like you were mentioning, removing a, like a wire or um, any sort of onset visual effects, we're budgeted to do that. But when it comes to like beauty cleanup mm-hmm. or set cleanup, that usually escapes a lot of the foresight in the bidding That's- process. Exactly. Um, that's where I, that's where I get kind of uh, stuck a lot is like there's no yeah. visual effects. There's no real effect happening. But like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know, there's a blemish on this refrigerator door. Oh, we'll just right. clean it up in post. Is that really a reality? Yeah. And it's it's totally doable. Like yeah. we can clean that up. Of course, but yeah. they often there's often a little surprise, you know, depending on the, the way that the shot looks. Sometimes it's a really easy thing for us. Like something like I was just like, yeah, while you're in there, just like cover that up. But that can be done. Uh, However, if it's like a slow motion shattered glass thing and you want something removed from one little shard. Every frame. um, Because, you know, yeah, somebody's hands look weird. That could be a little more involved. Um, So (laughs) I guess (laughs) and I only speak like because. These have actually happened to me, I guess. Like speaking from experience, you know, like it's funny, um, you know, and I came from music video world Mm. also. There's a lot of beauty there. There's a lot of beauty there. A lot Um, of cleanup. Yeah. And sometimes people just, they want to appear a little different than they did on camera. So it can be the Ray Liotta thing, you know, like there's some skins Mm -hmm. that just unfortunately on camera maybe just need a little 
kiss <laughs> a blur yeah. or something and yeah it can take yeah. 10 15 hours depending on how much they're in frame if they're moving or not mm-hmm. like you said earlier and then also yeah. you know sometimes um, celebrity or shows like if you're working with a network have approval processes too with the actual celeb uh-huh. so then you're <laughs> then it's like it's out of yeah. my hands you guys just gotta figure yeah, it out <laughs> then, you know so but yeah to answer your question no one considers cleanup no. you know they they sometimes lump it into our like compositing phase maybe even in the color session Mm -hmm. uh when we're like coloring things they think that they can maybe enhance or hide things but it's still it's still a process and it it doesn't guarantee that it'll look perfect you know right yeah yeah so the easy solve is to get Mm -hmm. art in there to use some windex on the fridge (laughs) 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 yeah yeah. Just take like a, like as long as they, they don't take like half a day to do it, you know. I think uh, you should get you're good. <laughs> okay, so then what conversations do you think are important to have with a producer before principal photography, basically? And then because I, I don't I don't know how often this might happen, but do you ever get a post mortem or any kind of way to discuss? you know, what happened in order to prevent it from the future. I know that's an old school thing that we used to do. Like if you, if you were on like a series of commercials that were with the same company over the course of a year, then yeah, totally with the editor. But if it's a one-off then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a fan of learning and getting feedback just like you guys. Um, So I'm okay with the postmortems for sure. But with that things to definitely speak to a post-producer about would be just keep them in the plan. You know, like there's a lot of ideas that the director is not a part of post a lot of time. And I think that, yeah. And it's, you know, they just all need to be in the same conversation, have the same idea of what the end product is going to be. Um, That way everyone can get happy because then a post-producer can manage like, budget expectations and all of that um you ever like talk yeah. about producers after the, the job is done right. like yeah <laughs> or just like this is a yeah. shit producer let's make sure next time no i'm kidding but you know like you I ever mean, just talk about it i mean sure especially if they're mean <laughs> you know like we we're, we're we're all trying to work hard here and like you know if they're mean to us that's sucks you know to you know i've shown up on set where and mind you i started off as a pa too so i know how special treatment was given to a lot of individuals on set but sometimes you know i'll i i've been on sets where like people just kind of like like act like i'm kind of bothering them so you know it's just kind of like uh i hi everyone and i will get a and who are you and who are you with and i was like oh i'm with the post team and they'll be like oh um did you need something <laughs> and it's like well no not necessarily but i just want to make sure everything's getting in the can like and they'll be like do you need a chair <laughs> all right there's a dark corner we'd like that to put you nice. in and maybe you shouldn't talk to us and we're gonna be rolling sound so thank you goodbye yeah yeah you know sometimes i think we should be a, a little welcomed on set yeah sometimes like i mentioned before you know 
we can tell if, you know, we'll be like, oh, yeah, someone didn't know how to produce. This might have been their first job because, you know, all of the, the footage is messy. Uh, we didn't get enough. We, you know, they might have not gotten all their shots in in a day, you know, and those are all telling signs that maybe this producer needed a little more help on their end. Um, so with that, I will understand and and react with compassion, but just be nice. (laughs) We will help you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's a common misconception that, uh, that post is always putting more work on the live action producer and we're always putting more work on the post producer, but but like at some point we're all on the same team. So coming together and having those meetings early is Mm -hmm. key and just working together and just being nice. My God, just be. (laughs) Yeah. And have a scripty. <laughs> and have a scripty for crying out loud. And, 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 you know, side note to all the producers out there listening. See, they do yeah. talk about the, your work shows in, in the edit bay, mm-hmm. uh, how well yeah. organized and, and uh, how good of a, a shoot you put together is. So mm-hmm. make that be a lesson. People are talking about you <laughs> after the fact. I also do want to talk about transcoding because mm-hmm. I know we talked again sure. about, you know, uh, raw and anamorphics. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times it'll be like the 11th hour. We're getting kicked out of the location and the DIT is like, I still need three more hours mm-hmm. to transcode. And then it's like, yeah. oh, my God, what do we do? We can't stay mm-hmm. here. Uh, you know, they got they They live an hour away. They're already on their 14th hour. Transcoding is usually the responsibility of the onset team. But how much does it affect you when we sometimes kick it over to you the, the last day or, or whatever? It's like it's impossible for us sometimes to complete it, it more and more because the jobs I've been doing mm-hmm. a bit multicam and, and anamorphic and all those mm-hmm. kind of things. It's like, no, I need like five more yeah. hours. Yeah. And uh, and I understand, yeah, the media in itself is actually pretty hefty now. Yeah. You know, they want a lot of information on those files. So, yeah, how it affects us is it it just pushes time, obviously. The DIT, the, their position's interesting because they actually could also work in a post facility. You know, oftentimes they are the assistant editor. And so when a DIT is like, oh, I, I need three more hours, I would hope that that same DIT could actually keep working even if they weren't on the location. I know that one of the things that is very precious on set are the cards that come off a camera. So if there was a way that maybe they could move the process to going home and processing overnight, that's also something to consider because I understand like the pressure of location times and, you know, getting people offset and all of that. It's totally reasonable. But there's also probably ways to maybe even divide and conquer, I, you know, that I probably don't what no but it depends on like how everything's being shot like how deep into the process the dit is like is there a stopping point is there like a place where he could stop and just take this and then keep moving at another location because oftentimes we can also transcode in the post side you know it just requires once again communication so that we can line up an assistant editor on our end to take on the work. That's interesting um, that you're equating a um, assistant editor 
and a DIT because in our world of live action, the DIT is this coveted position that is union and, you know, like they know their stuff mm-hmm. and they have all this equipment and they're on set. Mm-hmm. However, if the same job can be done by an assistant editor at the post house, then... Well, um, I guess it, it's a portion of the job, right? Exactly. It's, it's yeah. the data it's, management portions because the DIT right. is kind of doing two different things, right? right. They're, yeah. they're looking at the actual image and helping the, the, mm-hmm. the DP make sure that, you know, the lighting's correct, there are no burnouts, blah, 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 mm-hmm. the color, mm-hmm. the blah, blah, blah. And then they yeah. got this side job of doing data management. So, like, if you mm-hmm. are on a job with, again, four cameras and you're rolling all day mm-hmm. and there's a tight turnaround on post, you might need yeah. to have also a, a DIT and a data manager to ha- just mm-hmm. handle the cards and, and the transcoding. Or an assistant editor. <laughs> or send, yeah, like mm-hmm. have the, explain to the post house what's going on. Maybe an assistant editor yeah. is the choice in this mm-hmm. respect, mm-hmm. if that's yeah. allowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to, you know, I know that DITs offer a lot of knowledge on set because they have such technical prowess. Yes, and right. yes. Just Don't speaking wanna, about the, the action. Yeah. That. yeah, we're not minimizing that. Um, it's just actually speaking apart. Right. But of the yeah, there is a solution on the post side, you know, you know, that could help because, yeah, a lot of the time, you know, if we're just applying a setting to the footage and that is what's processing, we could do that, too. We could do that, too. But just in a non-modular station, <laughs> we do it at our office. So uh, that is something to consider. Also, something that would help is that a lot of the time assistant editors can get started with whatever we have already, you know, like whatever's on the drive, we can work with that. You know, it's not holding us up from work. So like if the DIT is like still behind and needs to stop and reset and try get more time, that's fine as long as we have something. Like I wouldn't recommend them to like hold up an entire pipeline because they, you know, it might cost another drive another hard drive a little more time but i mean that's unfortunately just what happens (laughs) it seems like communication (laughs) Mm -hmm. sorry to keep yeah keep repeating that yeah yeah, no 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 but that's a theme throughout what we tell everybody Mm -hmm. like you know most problems can be solved or issues or concerns with talking yeah (laughs) it's crazy i know yeah christian i know you got one more question but before we do that i just want to get to some takeaways because it sounds mm-hmm. like we've got a little bit of a roadmap here, right? It's like the producer should have a chat with the post producer, right? To talk about format, deliverables, shooting method. Are we doing anamorphics? Mm-hmm. Are we shooting raw? Discuss yeah. the VFX, the onset effects. Mm-hmm. Talk about cleanup. Mm-hmm. If you know your director relies heavily on post, I've got directors that I know mm-hmm. rely so heavily on post that like mm-hmm. I need to have that conversation with the post producer. If there's a celebrity or talent that might need some cleanup, I always have the mm-hmm. DIT chat with the editor, post supervisor, oh, yeah. or something yeah. like that. That's common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, look at your pipeline. And if maybe you need to mm-hmm. get stuff to the assistant editors earlier, that yeah. might help ease some things, right? Oh, I'll add there's a new one, too, that uh, I think clients have, have uh, kind of, you know, have sometimes treated like an afterthought. But also knowing if you're going to shoot for social. 
in a nine by 16 rectangle. Everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Nine, if it's going to go into that, that needs to be considered as well. God, I can remember um, flipping the camera on its mm-hmm. side on so many shoots when that first started to happen. It's like, no, you don't have to do that, guys. No. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> we need to shoot 8K. And it was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can need punch in. So. Protect for both. Exactly. Yeah, or they'll do pan and scan, and it's like, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> So, last question. Um, All right, everyone, close your eyes. Just take some deep breaths. Picture it, and it's your dream world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not that we dream of labor, but it's your dream world. How would you partner with your live-action producer to achieve post-bliss? Ooh. I know. (laughs) I have been lost. You know, to have worked with a lot of good live action producers and, you know, it's only the very few horror stories that stick out. Um, so with that, I think to achieve production bliss, to make the, the product that we're all proud of, mm-hmm. I really do think it just means mutual respect for each team, understanding like that we all are tackling a different beast, but for the same goal. I think that uh, a lot of post producers tend to think that, you know, they're like, why is post getting all of this? And why do they get all the attention? All yeah. that. But I get it. It's high stakes. You yeah. know, you have like very small windows of get achieving those goals mm. and could be affected very easily. You guys don't get control Z or Apple Z whichever platform you work on. We under, like to uh, post <laughs> understand that that is something that you guys have like, you know, a very high stakes window. Mm. And then for live action to also not just rely on posts, you know, not to... As a solution you know, uh, to less as time. As a solution or, to okay, some... Yeah, yeah mm. or avoiding a few conversations. Right. You know, I think as producers, we're very talented communicators um, and we have so many tools like we have phones and watches and like Zoom and, this. <laughs> you know, there are ways to just have a conversation and know that you guys are all on the same team. I think that that's and I will just say I think that live action um, does sometimes just think that everything can be fixed in post a a different way to look at that is you're giving Mm -hmm. the post house what you have and they have to fix everything that happens yeah Mm -hmm. they have to put it together in a way that Mm -hmm. everyone's expecting they have to clean it up they have to edit you have to make the story right you're like putting it together and trying to minimize the impact of anything additional on post would be ideal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and I think it goes it goes yeah. the same way for us live action producers. I think we feel the same way when a, a bidder hands us the bid and yeah. it's like, well, yeah. we had to squeeze into a number, so you'll figure it out. It's the same thing yeah. for you. You know, we just yeah. kind of shove it off to the next department and it's like, that's yeah. not the best way to go about and, doing this. We can, you know, we can and, live in a happier world, can't we? <laughs> yeah, just be mindful that there might be someone who might have to miss like an episode of Ted Lasso because <laughs> yes, they have to exactly. they gotta work late. Refrigerator. Yes. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, that there is somebody on the that will have, you know, no problem can just be easily solved. I think that it could be pushed aside, but, yes. you know, someone's yeah. going to fix it, right, eventually. <laughs> Thank you so much for having a drink with us yeah. today and uh, giving us oh. that inside look in a post. You work a lot with <laughs> nonprofit organizations. Do you have anything coming mm-hmm. up that you want to plug? 
it's not just ready, but yeah, we are a small organization called Motion for All. We are helping out, um, you know, young artists have better access to really high-end software and giving it for free and giving them guidance from mentors that look like the people that we're like a lot of the BIPOC community. We're giving, providing the mentors that are also BIPOC so um, they can see themselves uh, growing in their career. Um, and so, yeah, motionforall.org. And then, of course, my lovely home base of roger.tv, always creating great things. So. Amazing. <laughs> Well, sister, how do people get a hold of you if they want to chat with you? They can go to sisterchristianproducers.com. And Lawrence, if they want you, how do they get you? My whole name, lawrencetlewis.com. You can find me there. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Producers Happy Hour is brought to you with the help of the handsome Christopher Daniels, who is a design and branding specialist, and Brendan Russell at podlad.com, who is our fabulous editor. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to dive deeper, subscribe to our listeners' newsletter. Simply go to producershappyhour.com to sign up. Thanks for listening, and remember, enjoy happy hour while you can. Because making shit is hard. Hard. hard.